Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Sports Fantasy Podcast. I am Liz Loza and I am joined as always by our Sunday night crew of Matt Harmon and Scott Pianowski. Hello, gentlemen. Hi, Liz. Hi. Hi, Scott. Oh, man. Scott is, seems about as a, a happy as Andy Dalton, who just took a nice big sack here on Sunday Night Football. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I got sacked on Twitter all day. Oh, there's a, two. A lot of it was, was self-sabotage. I'm going to take some responsibility for that. But um, I don't know about you guys. And I, I, I'm not going to go into this deeply because nobody really cares. But this was far and away my most inaccurate week of all seven weeks. I, I did the worst in DFS. I'm going to have more losses this week than I, I think I've had in any week all season and um, probably going to lose some money. I'm nothing catastrophic. I, I won't be, you know, under a bridge tonight, but uh, this was not a good week for me. And I'm just want to, you know, I'll take the, I'll just put my hand up and own it. It it happens, man. The worst part about doing this is a job. And again, no, definitely nobody cares about anything I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it anyways. <laughs> the worst part about doing this as a job is that not only do you take the L and everybody chirps at you about it. Like everybody on Twitter lets you right. know. It's like, yo, usually the things like I hype are the things that I've done. And I've right, said. Right, I believe in my own picks. <laughs> so, right. So I'm, I'm right. also taking it in, in on the chin already. And you guys are just like digging the grave a little farther. So. Right. So when I thought Jermaine Curse was going to be a great play in PPR this week, I, <laughs> I actually, actually did him. that. <laughs> yeah. I got to go back and delete everything I've read about Jermaine Curse. And I agree with what you said, Matt. If I have a bad day with the advice giving and with the angles and slants and the DFS plays I'm suggesting, well, that's going to hurt me because that's the stuff. That's my playbook. Right. So those well, things are almost always correlated. There's some weeks you get lucky with something, you know, where you don't necessarily hit it. But what are you going to do? Um, you know, this is what we do. And we'll try to learn from it. Well, onward, Scott. Instead of dwelling in the past, let's move to the future with a little of a little tomorrow's headlines today. Mr. Pianowski, since you are the bluest of us. Why don't you begin? Yeah, James White, you know, um, before the season, I thought he was just an afterthought depth pick. The Patriots have tried to address their backfield so many different ways. They used a first-round pick on Sony Michelle this year. In, t- in the past, they've tried trading for running backs. They've tried signing free agents. And James White has kind of been around. He's been a nice, useful, you know, flex player sometimes. He had a monster game in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Probably should have been the MVP. But this year, it's a different James White. Now, Sony Michelle was coming on like gangbusters until a knee injury today. And there's nothing wrong with Michelle. He was going to be a great player if he wasn't injured. But it's time to recognize White. Two more touchdowns today, just under 100 total yards. 
I want people to appreciate how he's scoring. Okay. He scores on a shovel pass at the goal line. He scores on uh, a pass route, an option route uh, where he beats one guy one-on-one on both of his touchdowns. He was not touched. The Patriots are scheming him easy, cheap touchdowns. Not that they don't count. Not that white isn't a skilled player, but this isn't David Johnson trying to run, you know, through 27 people in, in Arizona. This is an offense that understands how to scheme, how to put players in position to be successful. James White is a top 10 running back as far as as long as Michelle is hurt. I think he's top 10. Even when Michelle comes back, I think White's on the borderline one two running back conversation. I don't want any more start sick questions on James White. I want you to play him in DFS. I want you to play him on your seasonal teams. I want you to play him on your hockey roster, your basketball roster, save him for your baseball team. <laughs> James White is going to be a league winner in 2018. I love that, Scott. And it just kind of goes into actually what, what my headline is as well. It's just the changing landscape of the the running back situation. And mine is basically just centered around these big name running backs continue to go down and fall by the wayside. But new faces, and I guess James White you could throw into this mix, and Sony Michelle even before that, these new faces are starting to break out. And we got three more today, uh, whereas it seems like we lose Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette, even when he comes back, who knows what he's what role he's coming back into. And you can say the same about Le'Veon Bell also, but three guys come up this week to replace him in a way. Marlon Mack obviously leads the way for the Colts backfield. Uh, He led the team in carries and yards last week, but gets the perfect game script and, crushes it top five running back performance on the week 19 carries speaking of carries carry on Johnson (laughs) in Detroit rips off a 70 plus yard run finishes with 100 total yards I think a lot of people will be calling this his breakout performance even though I think he's looked good all season Uh, but this was kind of the the week where he really cemented himself still gets uh, you know the touchdown taken away from by LeGarrette Blunt, uh, who's going to continue to be in the mix. We know that. And then also the third member of the group, I think a lot of people were expecting this one, was Nick Chubb. I think he had 18 carries, finished with a rushing touchdown, was like at 10 for 35 for a long way through this game. It was not looking great, but the Browns get their extra quarter of action as <laughs> they want to do. Uh, and I, I think all of these three running backs, I, I actually would, would pose the question to Liz and Scott, if those like those three for the rest of the season, Mac, Chubb, Johnson, what what would you order them in in terms of preference? Well, I would rank carry on Johnson first because I think tiebreaker, even though quote hashtag running back talent doesn't <laughs> matter, has to be a tiebreaker for me. And also his versatility in the passing game, especially if Theo Riddick continues to be hobbled, makes him my number one choice, even if he gets vultured by LeGarrette Blunt. Number two, I'm going to say Nick Chubb because I look at the receiving options in Cleveland and I look at Hugh Jackson's history as a running backs coach. And I just feel like the volume is going to be there for him on a more consistent basis and as good as Marlon Mack looked galloping like a true Colt today against the eighth ranked Buffalo Bills rush defense. I just think that he is going to be more game script dependent. And also we did see Wilkins perform in the passing game a little bit and Naheem Hines, obviously a nice PPR check down option too. So I think that he's not going to see the most consistent volume. Scott, how would you rank them? And also, do you have a deeper take on the Detroit backfield? I would actually rank them the order in which Matt introduced them, Mac Johnson and Chubb. Just feeling Mac has the upside. He maybe the ability to play on all three downs. Johnson, we know, is going to lose touchdowns 
to like Garrett Blunt, you know, Patricia has a relationship with Blunt. Not that he calls Patricia calls the offensive plays, but they want Garrett Blunt to score their cheap touchdowns that takes away from Kerry on Johnson. And when they eventually get ready back, that's going to at least splinter how often they can throw the ball. Johnson. I also think both of the primary uh, Detroit receivers. And when I say primary, I mean, Tate and uh, Galladay, not that Marvin Jones is a bad player, but uh, Tate and Galladay both should have had touchdowns today. Galladay lost one on a penalty overrule. And then Tate just dropped a really easy touchdown that normally he's going to make. Uh, you see two touchdowns go to one of Detroit's tight ends. Who's you got no fantasy value, just a fluke, a blip on the radar. I think it's a great time to maybe trade for one of those Detroit receivers. And I have Chubb last only because I think, Cleveland is reluctant to throw him the ball. He was almost hardly used as a receiver before today. I think he's had just one catch today. Certainly nice to have, you know, the backfield is a lot cleaner now with, uh, you know, with trading Hyde out of town. But I think Duke Johnson's going to be the guy they want to throw to. And also they just want to throw the ball downfield. So I'm just worried that Chubb may be a two down back. Still a little bit nervous that Cleveland could mess things up because you know, the Browns can't have nice things. It's amazing they found a way to lose this game in <laughs> overtime today. But uh, all three guys, interesting. I wish I had more shares of all of them. I don't think I have Marlon Mack anywhere, which frustrates me. Uh, I think Karen Johnson's for real, just has to beat his own coaching staff into accepting that. And then Chubb, just with the Brown, you know, the the Browns kind of malaise on him. I think that's going to hurt him. He may not catch as many passes, but any of these backs would be welcome to me. So anybody who's out there in leagues of mine, you know, trade me one of these three guys. I'll be happy to do it. Just one note on Mack and game scripts, because we said that a couple of times here, uh, and I agree with that point, but the upcoming schedule for the Colts is rather good in terms of keeping them in these games they get the Raiders a bye Jaguars Titans Dolphins over the next four matchups I don't think I'm projecting any of those teams to be running away against the Colts at this point no and as the receiving core continues to get healthy obviously that improves the backfield as well let's talk about Chicago it's a place I grew up I have very fond memories it's a place that um, I have complicated feelings about particularly (laughs) the Bears and their starting quarterback Mitch Trubisky, who has been a revelation for fantasy owners. I'm not going to deny that in fantasy he is balling. However, I like to watch the games and I don't like what I am seeing, even if that doesn't match up with my stat sheet or my stat tracker on our Yahoo Fantasy app. He is, I'm going to say it right now, the 2018 Blake Bortles. He is not great in real life. But he is a solid fantasy option. Today, he converted 50% of his attempts, just 26 of 50 completions, tons of I don't know what he was thinking throws. In fact, I think the NFL Next Gen Stats needs to have a special Mitch Trubisky tab just for those (laughs) moments. Um, He's got wide receivers bailing him out. He's got a forgiving coaching staff that wants him to succeed. He's throwing interception after interception in the red area of the field. He's padding his stats with his legs. Maybe his production isn't coming in garbage time like Blake Bortles, but he is not pretty to watch. However, he is pretty to roster. Yeah, we just want the numbers, right? You know, I'm going to be honest, that's really hard for me. I I like actual football. It's why I probably always will rank Blake Bortles. And this year, it seems to be working out for me much lower than other people. I it's hard for my brain to think about just the numbers when I'm also looking at the game. I will say next week, Trubisky gets another great matchup, probably in that top 13, 14 range. He's seeing the Jets. They don't have a pass rush. Their secondary continues to be banged up. Then he's at Buffalo. The Bills, a much harder 
at Orchard Park than they are on the road. And then he faces the division rival Lions. Certainly like him for next week. Don't want to project too much ahead of that because we never know what can happen with injuries. This is what we have to reconcile is we have to reconcile the gap between fantasy and reality. Yeah. And Trubisky, we just want stats from him. He's running aggressively. I mean, you can't expect 81 yards from your quarterback every week. And, and the Patriots touch. linebackers are wearing ski boots. So, I mean, it was remarkable how easy some of that rushing production was for Trubisky. But Jordan Howard went nowhere, 3.3 a carry. Tariq Cohen went nowhere, 2.3 a carry. They've gotten Cohen going in the passing game. It's three straight weeks where he's been tremendous. Trey Burton finally started to look today like the player – that we thought they were getting when they traded for him, when they signed him from Philadelphia, nine of 11 targets, he caught 126 and touchdown. A lot of other players in this offense who intrigued me. Taylor Gabriel wasn't great today, but he was great the two prior weeks. Again, we just want the stats. I can live with And you're right. The, the WTF throws with Trubisky were, were driving me crazy. And I had no stake in the game really, but he had two interceptions. He could have had four or five. I mean, he was a walking turnover today. It felt like, but we just want the stats. He's going to be a stat guy. I'm a Nagy guy. I'm a Burton guy. I'm a Cohen guy. Eventually, they're going to get something going with Allen Robinson. I'm not sure if he got dinged up today, but he was a bit player on the offense. Gabriel's a nice player. Anthony Miller eventually, I think, acclimates into this offense. And neither running back is doing a lot on the ground. I think Chicago's going to have to have their offense routed, for better or for worse, through Trubisky. And I think we're going to love the numbers. Again, he's going to run every week. He's got a lot of weapons to throw to. His running backs aren't doing that much. I, I have if I own Trubisky right now, I have no problem starting him. I may not watch the game, but I have no problem. This is my point. Minding yes. that gap between fantasy and reality. Yeah, I think your point is right, Liz, that he definitely has so many errors in his game. He still has plenty of work to do, but he's still I don't even think he started 20 games yet in his career. I think he's about like 18, 19. So he's still progressing. He got onto the field last year before they ideally would have wanted him to get out there like but the unfortunate part is, that, as I said to you earlier on Halftime with Harmon, hashtag Halftime with Harmon, watch it on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Twitch. YouTube, Twitch. Uh, <laughs> the, what I said to you earlier was that their plan, unfortunately, for they, their version of Patrick Mahomes was their version of Alex Smith was Mike Glennon. And that's why that's right. Did not so work there out. hasn't been a mentorship. No, but the good news is now I think the infrastructure is in place that Trubisky's margin for error in terms of production is so wide with, you know, this talented group of skill position players that I think we all liked coming into the year. I think today was a big reason why it showed it was so great because the Patriots look to take away Taylor Gabriel. Allen Robinson is hobbled. Well, whatever. Then we go to Tariq Cohen. Then we go to Trey Burton. And then if in the next week, Burton's slowed down or Cohen slowed down well then they have Alan Robinson they have but you can Gabriel. watch the games and just see that like for instance Josh Rosen's numbers are horrible and yeah he's getting an MRI but his anticipation and touch regardless with so many fewer starts than Trubisky are so far ahead of his it is really hard and you said it absolutely correctly Scott to well, you reconcile see, you see the gap. positive things about Josh Rosen I don't see that at all Man, I, I I worry for him. I, of course, they finally fired their offensive coordinator, so maybe things are going to flip. There are like twenty plus quarterbacks I trust right now. Maybe twenty five. Josh Rosen's not. But in that would list. you I know trust, it's not all his fault? Would you trust Josh Rosen if his center, for instance, weren't hurt? Like if he actually played behind an O line that he had been able to take reps with? But here's the thing, okay? I'm not drafting Rosen or Trubisky to start my own football team, of I which know. we have no. You know, we have pieces around him. Maybe Rosen is sunk. By the things he has to play with, but that's not going to change. I'm not disputing I, I think Josh that. Rosen, I'm not I think we're going to look that. back at Rosen's rookie year. Okay, we're going to look back on it and think of it like Jared Goff's rookie year, stuck with Jeff Fisher. 
like Mitchell Trubisky's rookie year, stuff with with um, John Fox and the rest of his coaching staff. And then this year, Rosen's rookie year, stuck with Mike McCoy, who didn't even make it out of October, and a head coach who maybe is in over his head. Yeah, I think you guys are on the same page in terms of what you like. I just don't enjoy is. having to reconcile that. I want to start players in fantasy that I enjoy rooting for. And this one, as much as my heart enjoys rooting for the Chicago Bears, it is hard for my eyes to root for him. But uh, let's by the way, Mitch Trubisky, Mitch Trubisky currently about eight points clear of the field in quarterback scoring this week. Yeah. Easily the quarterback one. It's so, wild. I, I mean, mean anybody who has Trubisky right now is just laughing all the way to the bank. You should have an abacus implanted into your brain because the math works out. <laughs> Let's talk about Jacksonville as a fantasy wasteland. I think we can all agree on that. They trade for Carlos Hyde midweek, but he doesn't play versus Cleveland. I mean, Matt, could he be interesting rest of the I don't think like any aren't we we're all breaking up with Jacksonville. Yeah, I think right? we can like, all break up with the Jaguars. Like, look, here's the thing. I thought TJ Yeldon would be interesting this week. I did running back fearless forecasts this week. I projected him pretty positively. And he actually did turn out well in the box score uh, just because I I thought the game script would be better. That's not how it happened. So right result, wrong process there Mm -hmm. for me. But that was obviously recorded that before this Carlos Hyde trade, which I find totally perplexing. I have no idea what that, especially if... The rumors are true that Leonard Fournette is going to come back week nine, week 10. Don't understand the point of trading for Carlos Hyde. So there's a realistic scenario where we're dealing with a three-way backfield of Carlos Hyde, TJ Yeldon, Leonard Fournette, and I mean, hell, Jamal, you mentioned Jamal Charles might <laughs> even be in there at some point. Like, And that's a split backfield of an offense that I think is broken in the passing game. Obviously, Bortles benched know, today, benched today, putting up, still putting up some numbers at early parts of the game, but like... To me, it's just it's it's just not there. Like, obviously, I think we all know what the situation is with the quarterback that he's been holding them back for years. And now with these receivers, too, it's become an utter joke trying to predict which one of them is going to go off on a week to week basis. Some people make a case for Keelan Cole. Some people will make a case for D.D. Westbrook. And then it ends up being friggin Dante Dante Moncrief Moncrief. (laughs) with 15 targets for 70 yards every other week. So to me, there are some offenses during the fantasy season that it just gets to a point where you just don't try anymore. And with me, I'm just washing my hands of these Jaguars right now. I'm going to let that be somebody else's problem. How do you feel about Jacksonville, Scott? No, I, mean, I think Matt hit on the, most of the key points. I mean, you can't project these guys. Dante Moncrief was liberally targeted in the Kansas City game. You think, well, maybe it will carry over to Dallas. No, he was, you know, he basically ghosted us last week. And then this week he's back with a 10-target game. It, you're just blindly trying to hit a pinata with him and Cole and, and Westbrook. So those guys are all off the board. Every one of their tight ends has gotten hurt. At least I'll, I'll say one thing. The one confident thing I can say about the Jaguars is Jamal Charles means nothing to me. In a game where they desperately needed anything today, he had two touches. So I'm fine with knocking him off the board. But when they get Hyde, that has to tell you either they don't think Yelding can be a primary back or they don't trust Fournette to come back healthy and be their bell cow. And, and Yeldon's too good to completely fall off the face of the map. Hyde, obviously, they traded for him, and they, they know he's a good player. Now you have three back. It used to be 10 years ago, 15 years ago, oh, no, running back by committee. You could <laughs> see two running backs on a team, and, and you you want no part of that team. Now most teams have two primary backs, and it's the, the rule is when you see three, you flee. TJ Yeldon is not going to have a lot of fantasy value anymore because Hyde's here. And they all kind of – it's like Hyde's like the bowling ball and, and Yeldon and Fournette were the pins. And so they traded for Hyde and they knocked everybody down in one swoop. And just to make things totally worse, not only do we want touches from these guys or predictability, projectability, 
But we need an offense that stays on schedule. We need an offense that converts third down, the offense that gets in scoring position. Blake Bortles is not leading set offense. Uh, Cody Kessler, I mean, I, I was happy just to see somebody else today. I, I thought he was pretty erratic in his stint, but I was just glad Bortles was out of the game. This is one of the five worst offenses in football. I don't like their running game. I don't like their passing game. I don't like how crowded their depth chart is. And look, we need something we can hang our hat on. We need a team to have an identity, something they try to do more often than not week in, week out. Yeah, you tweak it a little bit to opponent. But Jacksonville has given us no consistency. Well, we can't they've tried anybody. to. Their identity was their defense. And defense is not a consistent, projectable unit from year to year. No, it's not. Right? So, like, you just can't have that all of the time. And it's 2018. So, guess what? Offenses win. To be fair, the defense wasn't bad today. I mean, they held Watson to 5.8 yards per attempt. Yeah. If you told me before the game that the Jaguars would only allow 20 points and Watson would have such a tempered line, I think maybe, maybe they'd have a chance to win the game. And, of course, it wasn't close all game. And maybe Houston just thought, look, we've been getting Watson beaten up. He, he'd been taking a bunch of sacks. Took he only had one sack on 25 dropbacks <laughs> yeah. today. Maybe they just thought, look, we're up maybe a 13 nothing lead or a 20 nothing lead against Bortles and Cody Kessler. It just looked like an insurmountable game. So just run the ball and get out of dodge. Uh, the Watson did run the ball seven times. But – um, yeah, Jacksonville, you know, they should have beaten New England last year in the AFC Championship game. They're going to be like a 6-10, and 7-9 also ran this season. Well, I regret drafting Leonard Fournette and buying into the whole slim-down, less injury-prone narrative. Um, but a lot of people also have regrets from Week 7. In fact, we uh, sent out a tweet and asked people to, in fact, Don't at me, bro! But we did want them to add us. Right. But I needed to find a way to work the, work yeah, the drop yeah, I, in. I got you. I got you. Producer Brett was staring at me very intently with his finger on the drop button. So <laughs> I got you. I, I got felt you. the pressure, you know. I you're, felt the pressure like Calais Campbell coming up. Anyway, you're a woman of the people, Liz. That's right. Um, so at Boring Boris 420 hmm, how boring can you be with those three numbers at the end of your name anyway his tweet i'm starting to get suspicious of why he had this issue in his tweet you know right. what he was saying he said his... well, that, that isn't that isn't blake bortles's uh quarterback rating <laughs> Woof. <laughs> he said that his um biggest regret from week seven was not setting a 9 a.m alarm clock a la ryan mallet to check on melvin gordon because fantasy football is his church Mm. That's a tough one. Although Austin Eckler didn't do anything anyway, so no. But if you did this, this is the killer thing about that. What is, it's nine a.m. on the or nine thirty a.m. on the East Coast and six thirty a.m. out here on the Best Coast, uh, and it is a real killer. Like I was up late last night building a TV stand uh, for my new apartment and saw the news alert. Like, oh, Chris Thompson is doubtful. Like. Uh, I should probably make a change in my lineup. I'm like, I'll do that in the morning. And then when I wake up in the morning and make the change, my best available option was Deion Lewis, who, of course, is on the bench. I did, oh. could, not, could not change that. So I didn't have the same situation. But this is the killer about these 9 a.m. starts. Uh, it was unfortunate to lose Melvin Gordon, who'd been a total stud coming into this game. Indeed, but he gets a bye. This is what so you have to do. Up. Saturday night, okay, you have to do a walkthrough. You have to go through all your teams and just look at what, what the situation is and say to yourself, okay, it sounds like Gordon. If you looked at any of the tea leaves, Roto World, Roto Wire, you know, any of the stuff that we wrote, it sounded like Gordon wasn't going to play. So you prepare for the worst case scenario. And then if you have time to update it in the morning, fine. But do the walkthrough Saturday night. Okay. But by the way, I'm glad that we're paying Matt well enough that he can get a new TV and a TV stand. That's no, I didn't get a new TV, is, man. I just got the TV stand. From just, Target. Are you still using like the Sony, the Sony Trinitron 19 inch? Okay. 
Um, at least you got a new stand. At least you got a new stand. But yeah, yeah. do that walkthrough Saturday night, okay? I know you're going to want to adjust it Sunday morning. And, um, you know, unfortunately, you know, London games are hard. If you're on the West Coast, that's a tough one, 6.30 a.m. I get it. That's why you do it the night before. Well, at Brett Hansen, 1985, said that his biggest regret was leaving T.Y. Hilton on the bench T.Y. only caught, was only uh, drew four targets, but he caught all of them. And half of those were in the end zone. What was your guys' process on T.Y. Hilton this week? Because I, my girlfriend asked if she should play T.Y. Hilton, and I told her, no, don't do it. Yeah, whatever. That's not the point. So I told her I would say this because she's, because she's. uh, You got a TV stand, a girlfriend. You get everything going on. Dude, my life rocks. It's great to wake up every day being me. Uh, But anyway, so. I <laughs> feels like a total <laughs> jackass for having just said that. But point being that uh, my girlfriend did go ahead and play T.Y. Hilton against my advice. So she told me mm-hmm. I had to say this on the podcast because uh, I was wrong as hell. What's your girlfriend's name? I love that. That, that actually Crystal. portends right, for Crystal. very bad things in this relationship. When, when they start, when this early in a relationship, they're already deviating from your oh, advice. No, how no, do no. you know we've, how early it is? You don't know how early it is, We've Scott. been together like for basic, for like a year and a half, which in, in Harmon oh, okay. okay. time learned, is like an eternity. She's learned to tune you out. She's learned to tune you out. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah well, so a billion percent. <laughs> the thought process was, though, he was injured coming back, so he might have to shake off some rust. Also, probably seeing a lot of Tredavious White, who might be the only real shutdown corner. And I expected the Colts to smack around the Bills. And the Colts yep. did smack around the Bills. He Wait, only got four, right. He only got four targets. Four targets and 25 yards. If you tell me that, okay, I'm going to reveal you two things. You have a receiver getting four targets. He's getting 25 yards. And it's T.Y. Hilton who rarely scores short touchdowns, although that's changing a little bit with Frank Reich. He'd be the easiest fade in the world. I have no problem with the – I want the prove-it game from somebody. Unless you were backed in a corner, you really didn't have another reasonable option. I'm sure – and again, I said it wasn't the greatest week for me. I'm sure anybody who asked me a T.Y. Hilton question, if the other player was reasonable, I must have gone with the other guy. I think benching T.Y. was a reasonable process. I mean, that's, so now from now on, whenever my girlfriend and I get in arguments, I'll just say, listen, my process – was right, even if it's not about football stuff, and I'll see how far that gets me. Have Crystal DM me. <laughs> oh, jeez. Right. At RK Nowlessly, eh, I tried, uh, said that his biggest regret was starting Taylor Gabriel over John Brown, who caught all seven of his targets for 134 yards and a score. We predicted, I believe, Matt, that John Brown, maybe this was me and Dalton, y'all kind of feel the same to me at this point, um, <laughs> that eventually John Brown was going to, after quiet weeks, return to the end zone. Michael Crabtree, I mean, I said this on FFL, Michael Crabtree finally scored with Malcolm Butler in his coverage. Like, that says something. Malcolm Butler's having an awful, awful year. Yeah. We know that John Brown is healthy. I don't trust Taylor Gabriel because of what we were saying earlier, that being that there are so many mouths to feed and options in Chicago. So John Brown certainly returned to smoky form. I mean, you must be feeling like, like, oh. why aren't you pounding your chest and flexing your uh, your bicep that has the John Brown tattoo on it? Because he's been legit great all year. No just need to do. You don't just, want to show off. No, yeah. Like, at, this point, at this point, it's just preening. Right. But although I did tweet out a smoke gif today, so I guess I preened just just a just a little bit. bit. But listen, you know what? I've taken so much, you know what, for the last two and a half years for liking John Brown as much as I do because he's been, you know, sick with his little sickle cell situation. Now he's away from that dry Arizona heat and he's killing it up, up, uh, up in yeah, the Yeah, nothing says healthy living like Baltimore, Maryland. 
Listen, my mom's side of the family is all from Baltimore. My uh, my grandmother lived there until she passed away. I, I got a lot. She passed family. away though. Oh, I got. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> can confirm. I guess you. I mean, nobody, nobody ever, nobody ever died in the wire, right? Brown just missed a second touchdown too. I mean, he, man, he looks like a, he looks like one of the right answers of the season. Yeah. All right, so we've got. Four teams on buys next week. It's the Falcons, the Cowboys, the Chargers, and the Titans. But we're going to do some pickups to replace any players from those teams, not to mention the ones that might be missing due to injury. Scott, I'm going to start with you. Lightning round, who do you got? (laughs) That's my lightning sound. Uh, Chris Ivory, okay? (laughs) Starting back for Buffalo. McCoy's hurt. They're going to try to want to keep this game close on defense and not do a lot. I don't care who the quarterback is. I don't care if Jim Kelly's the quarterback in this game. Chris Ivory is going to get 15 to 20 touches. That's golden fantasy. He's actually been a useful receiver this year, which is generally not what we think of with Ivory. I can't guarantee you an end zone visit, but we're following the usage. He's going to be a starter next week. That means he's going to be one of the probably two or three biggest priority pickups, and I'm going to be in there. I hate fighting at the top of the bucket, but I'm going to fight for Chris Ivory. All right, he's only 7% owned right now, by the way. I am going to start with Raheem Mostert because Matt Burita cannot stay healthy. I'm tired of seeing him limping on and off the field constantly. Alf Morris isn't efficient. He isn't the lead guy. In fact, on, well, he did see nine carries. He only managed 25 yards. Mostert, on the other hand, rushed for 59 yards on seven carries. Plus, Mostert was Money in the receiving game. He converted all four of his looks for another 19 yards. He is available in 88% of leagues. Burrito will not be able to stay healthy. They need someone to move the chains, and that is Raheem. I feel like every week or every season, we have this moment with Capri Bibbs, and I'm having it this week. This week with Capri Bibbs, he's a guy that if you need a deep PPR pickup for some of these bye weeks, I think you can go get him. He said seven targets for the last two games with Chris Thompson out. And people like me that drafted Chris Thompson were, you know, moonwalking the first couple of weeks. And it's like, hey, he's getting all the targets. This is great. But guess what? He's hurt again. And he's been not played the last two weeks. And it's been Capri Bibbs out there as the receiving back. And I think you could use him uh, if you need a deep play. Especially if Jameson Crowder continues to. James Crowder being out is also a good point. Marshawn Lynch expected to miss at least a month with a groin injury. There are two running backs, obviously, come to mind immediately in Oakland, Doug Martin and Jalen Richard. Doug Martin right now owned in 23% of leagues. Richard owned in 20%. He is my favorite. He's been out-snapping Doug Martin. He's second in team targets behind Jared Cook. He's averaging six looks a game. Plus, he's been super uh, super efficient with his passing looks, converting 31 of 37. In fact, that's the eighth best catch rate amongst running backs. He is Derek Carr's favorite checkdown option. He is the back that will be used when the team is coming from behind. And let's be honest, both of those things are going to happen frequently. He, like I said, is owned in just 20% of leagues. It stings me that I missed out on Richard in a lot of leagues this week. So I think he was a great pickup. Tyrell Williams is getting in the end zone regularly. He scores in London. He scores in Cleveland. Didn't score on the bye week next week. And that's where you have a tough question to make. 15% owned in Yahoo. Can you own Tyrell Williams when the Chargers don't play? Now, he doesn't have any more than five targets in any game, even with his explosions the last two weeks, just four in four targets. Mike Williams also scored in this game. We know eventually they're going to get Keenan Allen going. And, of course, Melvin Gordon, when healthy, hogs all the touchdowns. I think Tyrell Williams is smoke. I don't want to hold him through a bye week. We're getting to the point where 
these bye weeks are four and six teams off. So you really have to be careful about what's on your bench. If you're one of those five and one, six and oh teams, maybe you can hold a Tyrell Williams, but I think it's going to be a mistake to add him after week seven. Yeah. My guy is another big play receiver, although we didn't really see him make any big plays. It was Traquan Smith, of course, who, you know, obviously is going to step into that deep threat role. We sure enough saw it in his usage. This week with Ted Ginn out, he led the team with 68 air yards, although only produced three for 44 through the air in a tough matchup against the Ravens. Um, you know how these people are that play fantasy football. They don't see it right away in the box score and like, ah, I knew this guy was no good. People might drop him this week because I'm sure he was picked up in a lot of spots after the Ted Ginn news. But in the leagues that he wasn't, you can go out and get him and watch out to see if people drop him for some of these other players that we're talking about right now that are a little hotter. I like that. So that was a great lightning round. And on that note, we're going to go out with some thunder. We'll be back on Thursday for the midweek pod. It's me and Dalton. Be sure to spread the word on social. Subscribe and review on Apple Podcasts. And now, hey, we're on Spotify. Look at that. We're growing. Submit your questions to at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Liz Loza underscore FF. That's Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And thank you at Scott underscore Pianowski for joining us. We're out. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.